Welcome to Living Light Radio with your host, Ranbir Poir. That's me, where we'll give you a dose of inspiration, application, and adaptation every single week so you can embrace the light of your life and live the life of your dreams. I hope you'll join us every Friday. This series of posts on happiness is designed to allow you to pick apart the components of a happy mindset, to know what to do more of, what to do less of, and most importantly, how to determine what actually creates happiness for you. If you haven't already heard it, check out last week's podcast, episode 12, and um, you can just check that out on iTunes or Spotify. Um, In that episode, we looked at the illusion of trying to create happiness externally. And we talked about can real happiness be generated in you by stuff that is outside of you, you know, external stuff. This week, the focus is on how we view the role of other people in our happiness. Oh, yeah, those flowers you receive from him definitely seem to make you happy. But do they? Isn't it really how you perceive the process that matters? And wouldn't you agree that some people would find something to complain about in that exact same situation that you would find yourself pleased by? You know, the flowers? Okay, so we acknowledge that money and external stimulation is part of your self-development, but let's cut to the chase. What's the most important reason for you being here in your body in this planet? Well, What's the most important requirement for you to live a good life and for you to make the most of your time here? You know, it's one word, love. And I'm going to give you a link, which I don't want you to check out right now, maybe later. It's a link to an ongoing 79-year-long study. It's currently under the direction of the Harvard Medical School. The link to that is www.adultdevelopmentstudy.org. And you should take a closer look at it, like I said, later after the podcast is done for today. But I'm going to give you the Coles Notes version of what this study concludes is the single greatest predictor of a mentally, emotionally, physically, and spiritually fulfilling life. Actually, and I do you one better. I'm going to give it to you in six words. And if you've worked with me before, You already know it's going to be what it's going to be. Love and let yourself be loved. I really need you to get both parts of that. Okay. Super important to give and receive. Since we started this work at Spirituality for Reality, love has been at the top of our own version of Maslow's hierarchy of needs pyramid. And you can go look up that pyramid um, and look up that theory online. Just Google it. But here at Spirituality for Reality, we believe that that self-actualization component, which is at the top of Maslow's pyramid, is most influenced by love. In other words, love is not in any way distinguished from your opportunity to proactively pursue self-development. Life is love. Love fully and openly to get more clear on this. Think about how you would feel if a person you loved was making their transition to heaven. I mean, last week I asked you to think about when you're at the end of your life, how would you feel about certain things? 
But now I'm asking you to do that sort of test from the end back in your relationships. And, and to be honest, I was lucky because when my mom was passing away, I was there and there's nothing left unsaid. My mom wore her heart on her sleeve and so do her six children. If you've met us, uh, you know, we are really, really good at expressing our emotions. You know, that's something that comes naturally to us because our mom role modeled it for us all the time. And sometimes we probably should hold those emotions back probably, but it doesn't really matter because uh, we do we do as it, as they come, like we feel everything we're going to feel. But even though, even though I told her everything I felt, even though I asked her if she would visit me in my dreams after she had left, even though I got to have all those great big conversations with her, it was still so painful to say goodbye to her. And so what I'm telling you is this, learn from my experience. If you have things to say to your parents, your kids, your family, friends, partners, come on, go take a risk, be vulnerable, share your feelings, share it, talk about it. It's important. I'm going to dive into the role of relationships. You know, obviously the universe provides a widely diverse forum of experiencing, practicing, love. I've ordered the following relationships in terms of their level of complexity from our point of view, from the work that we do. Okay, so your point of view might be different than than this, but this is from our work perspective, and that experience. So number one is your significant other. Number two, your parents slash your children. Number three, your friends, four, your acquaintances, and five, your interaction with strangers. So we believe that your relationship with your significant other is the most complex. And then we've assigned parents and children to the same line. Your relationship with your parents is the yin to the yang of your relationship with your children. Both have similar structures and interactions. Some humans are more comfortable with the leading, you know, as a parent, than being led by their own parents. But in the end, there's some structure there. And as a parent, you have no choice but to accept the sacrifice of nurturing your child. Or let's fingers crossed, hopefully. And as a child, life is structured in that you have a parent to lead you and to love you. But your relationship with your significant other is more complex. It's the greatest struggle we have sometimes. And in the end, this is something you need to write down. So get a pen, get a piece of paper, get your iPhone out or whatever you're doing. You're, and I want you to write this out. Your partner is not responsible for your happiness. Your partner is not responsible for your happiness. It took me a fair bit of time to learn that one. It was a lot of practice to change it, the, you know, to create that habit for me to believe that and to practice that and to really get that, that my partner is not responsible for my happiness. So important. But boy, doesn't all of this make that last post about money not being responsible for your happiness seem infinitely easier to apply and make sense of? So anyway, back to the point. And we're going to take an, you know, an, ex an extreme experience. And it's maybe not so extreme because it's, it happens quite frequently. You part ways with your partner. When someone walks out that door and leaves, 
the very human response is to get fixated on the loss of that person as though you have lost love. As if the one only person named love just walked out that door and you might never get love back. Most of us by this point in our lives have loved and lost. So we know that feeling, right? So where you're currently at in your terms of ability to love, well, if that stays with you, you could literally move on and find that very love that you're currently ready for. It's out there. It's closer than you think. But and that's how the universe works. The only thing that actually stops that forward movement is our own fear based fixation on that person that left or you left instead of focusing on what your next move is to keep expanding your ability to love. I know it sounds harder to, to, you know, it's harder to practice than to preach. I get that. I've been there. Okay. So the key is to shift your focus to figuring out what you're actually looking for and what you're ready for in terms of your ongoing experience of love. In other words, if you could have a talk with your higher self, it would tell you to put the focus on yourself and what your next best steps need to be. You've got to be open to the idea that the person may not be what's required, you know, for that ongoing development of your ability to love. Sometimes that ability requires you to be alone for a while and to really get to know yourself for a while. And, and so it comes in various forms, but if you focus on your ability to love, it'll come to you in a way that feels good to you. And this definition of what you're actually looking for, I can tell you from my own experience, it wasn't till I sat and surrendered to what I was looking for in love and in a partner that I actually met my husband. I actually made a list of the things that I needed and I had never done that before. I'd always thought about it from the other perspective because I never felt worthy of being loved. So I had never thought about what I needed in order to be in a loving relationship. I always thought about giving love. I never thought about receiving it. So I hope you can learn from that. So to sum up, this week we've come back to the focus of happiness being an internal thing. A reflection of how your mind processes experiences. The more intimate our interactions with others, the more complicated they seem to be. And if you've worked with me in the past, you've heard it before, the more dysfunction that you experience in others, the more opportunity there is for you to get better at loving. I know it sounds weird, but it's perfectly analogous to lifting weights. The more you expose yourself to heavier loads, the stronger you get as you call upon your adaptive capacities. So quite, so do it quietly, you know, say a humble thank you <laughs> when that person, you know, is just not, not in the right frame of mind, right? So it's just an opportunity to get better at loving. And why do we want to get better at loving? Well, let's look at it in a Carl Jungian terms. Think of it as an opportunity to take on your own shadow. You must believe that your shadow is out there. How you treat others will fully dictate how you treat yourself in all of the deep recesses of your own mind. Now, let's look at all of our relationships. Imagine how you would feel if that person wasn't in your life. And 
don't do this exercise when you're mad at that other person because it really can backfire. So don't do it then, you know, do this exercise when you're not mad at the other person, okay? So sit back and put in perspective what it would feel like if you did not express your true gratitude for the person and then all of a sudden he or she disappeared. Like I said to you earlier, I was lucky there was nothing left unsaid between me and my mom before she passed. And, you know, we all know that your mom is your first home, your tr first true love. And I'm so grateful for that. I'm so grateful that I had that opportunity to say whatever, everything I needed to say to her because there was no unfinished business. And I actually got the same opportunity with my dad. So it was lucky to have that with both. But when it comes to your friend, uh, relationships with friends, family, your significant other, I like you to be the first one to go out of your way to show affection, give a hug, a kiss, hold hands, and don't take it personally when the other person is communicating in a dysfunctional way. It's your responsibility to look after the development of your own habits and love and happiness by focusing on your own reactions to those interactions. And it's just important that you always focus on that because we talk about it all the time. You're not responsible for what happens, but you're always responsible for your reactions to what happens. So here's three steps for this phase two of transformation to happiness, a habit of happiness. Number one, every day, at least once a day, reflect on how truly important each one of the key people is in your life. And I don't think you should write this down. You can if you want, but what I'd like you to do is maybe like when they're near in the room, you can think about them quietly or what you can do is if they're far away somewhere is pull up a picture of them and look at it and, and, and just send them that love and appreciation and feel it in your, in your cells, in your body. Number two, without getting any morbid lines of thought, ask yourself, how would I feel if this person wasn't in my life anymore? Or if they live somewhere far away, or if they were in a new relationship with somebody else, you know, how would you feel? if that person was missing from your life in one form or another. And number three, this was hard for me. It took a lot of practice and you wouldn't guess that now. If you know me now, you wouldn't guess that this was a problem for me, but I'm going to tell you it was. Number three, go out of your way to show affection, hug, kiss, hold hands. Be the first one to act and do it unconditionally. And don't worry about how anyone's going to react. Just give that affection, give that love, be love. And like I said, that took me time to learn. I had a really hard time trusting. I had a really hard time being vulnerable in that particular way. So to give unconditionally wasn't something I was comfortable with, but I learned it. And if I can learn it, you can learn it. And all it takes is some practice and discipline and desire because I have this strong desire to give and receive love fully and openly. So that really fuels me. Next week, we're going to dig into part three of this series. I hope you will share this with your friends and family. I hope you will go to our website and look for this, the show notes and share your thoughts and feelings with us. Or always email me if you like at info at freewithin.me. Talk to you next week. Thanks for tuning in today. Please don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and to visit our site, www.freewithin.me. Talk to you next week.